This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio, as well as Instagram Live. Here for you, here for your pets. Talk about anything you want to talk about. I already have a question waiting for me here on Pet Life Radio. I have one already here on Instagram, and that's exactly why we're having this show. To help you out, answer questions. You can always send me questions live right here on the show. And also, you can call toll-free, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. And um, we can talk, and hopefully everybody benefits. I always say, things that you're asking about, and you might think are really rare, like, oh my God, I'm the only person on the planet that has this problem or this question. Uh Uh-uh, you are one of hundreds, maybe thousands. And I've heard the questions, I mean, a lot. So don't be embarrassed, ask away. That's why we're here. So um, let's start with Ellen. Ellen, are you there? So basically, Ellen is asking about her pet is having a, a little stiff after a long lie, and her veterinarian recommended CBD. She's done bunches of research, and um, how to dose and the benefits. And then also um, some good products, Honest Paws, Purity Hemp Oil, Lazarus. I also have one that I like, and, and it's Miriam's Hope, also has some really good CBD products. And I'm glad you brought the point up because we know so little about it. And the problem is there are so many varieties. Like, I, you know, I always say back in my day, back in the early 70s, there was pot. That was it. There was pot. It was all the same. And now, oh my God, you walk into a, a cannabis store, a pot store, and there are hundreds of varieties and they're all different strengths and different makeups and different percentages. Oh my God, what do we do? So more work needs to be done. We do believe, however, that CBD, pure CBD is safe and I highly recommend trying it. I've had many, many clients and friends that have started using CBD, uh, their own pets and themselves, of course, and with great success. Oh my God, I wish you guys could see this dog. So cute. A mutt, you say? What do you call it? A samadat? Samadat, samadat. Oh, sam- oh I, that's cute. You got it. <laughs> On the written question, it says she has a samadat. And I say, well, that, that's a new one. I, it's some of this and some of that. That's a samadat. So, yes. I always have to laugh because people pretend they know what it is. And they go, oh, yeah, I know what oh, that is. Oh, that's so and funny. Like- at least I'm admitting I didn't know what that was. She said some people say, say, oh, they know what that is. No, I'm not sure they do. Anyway, <laughs> no, I would 100%. Now, how old is she? She's 13. How old is she? Eight and a half. Eight and a half, oh, 13 she's pounds. Only eight and a half. Yes. All right. So if you've done some homework, you have an idea of the dosing. It is very safe. I've never heard of a dog dying from CBD. In fact, even pot. Even with THC, the most potent form of THC is pot butter, they call it. And that's, there have been a few deaths and it's because the pot butter. And it's also when dogs have the problem from from products with THC as well. Think about it. You're going to eat a pot brownie. You're going to have a brownie. You might even have a brownie, right? Or an edible. So how many edibles are so strong? And, you know, the effect takes place a little later. So it's been an hour, nothing happened. All of a sudden you take the other half. Oh, my God, you're, you're out down for the count. But dogs, when that plate of brownies or pot cookies, whatever, they're not stopping at one. No way. They're eating the whole plate, including sometimes the plate. So that's why it's very important that we have much better control. Now, once we start knowing more about this, then we can actually make, as a veterinary community, make recommendations based on dose based on how strong the product is, the concentration of the product, et cetera. But right now, I will say that CBD 
is pretty darn safe in moderation. So yes, Ellen, I would say definitely try it. And please get back to us and let us know if you notice a difference. Also, because of the joints, I would say little things like glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM, laser, cold laser therapy works really well. And if you want to get into the drugs, things like meloxicam and carprofen also are effective. But I would start slow and kind of increase based on what you need. Okay. She has been on Desaquin. And when she, okay. she had an ACL issue, she was on meloxicam and gabapentin, but I fixed that. I mean, I don't know how they wanted to operate, but I fixed it. Um, She's fine. Every once in a while, I'll put her on the gabapentin, but she definitely gets the daciquin every day, twice a day. Right. So Ellen was saying that her dog is already in the chondroitin, the daciquin, which is a good product, um, has been on some of the uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. I actually had a bit of a cruciate injury, but seems to be uh, doing fine on that. Anyway, thanks for joining me. And please, you're very welcome. Very welcome. So there was a good question here. I'm going to get to the pause in a minute. It was about the goggles. Ah, so I had a question about the doggy goggles and necessary to protect my dog's eyes from sunbathing. Well, dogs, first of all, as dumb as sometimes they are, and I have the quintessential dumb dog, one of my five, but they close their eyes where they're not going to look directly at the sun. Now, where goggles do come in handy, and if you have a dog that loves to be in the car and loves to stick his head out of a window, which we think is so great, you know, except cleaning the slobber from the windows, that might be not so great, but they can get something called exposure keratitis. Exposure keratitis is the dust particles. You're in the car, you're going 40 to 50 to 60 miles an hour or more. Those little particles are really, they're, they're going like that. They're squinting because the wind in their eye, but they're not blinking. They're not closing their eyes all the way. And so that's where goggles, and there's a company out there called Doggles, which is very cute. And uh, they, they are made to strap on and have the stop going over the head too. So they do stay on pretty well. Anyway, that's why I see the most benefit. But if, you know, again, never had a dog that, that is going to sleep, they're not going to look directly in the sun. So it, that doesn't bother me as much. But protecting the eyes from elements, I think that's really what I would recommend. So from Terry. Hi, Terry. How you doing? Frankie, my dog has been licking her paws nonstop. I put bomb, but she still licks it off. What else can I do? Well, first of all, when dogs lick their paws, you have to ask yourself a couple of things. First of all, if it's seasonal, then it's allergy. And it's either something that people are putting on the grass, it's the grass itself, or someplace they're walking has some sort of irritant. If it's happening during the winter back east, where they're putting the salt on the ground to melt the snow and the ice, that's what's happening. Now, if it's something that's year-round, unabated, and it, it doesn't make a difference whether in or out, snow, not snow, salt, white, ice, whatever, then I think food allergy. Food allergy is very overrated. And amongst all the allergens, they say food maybe, maybe comprises 10, max 15%. So that's an 85 to 90% chance it's not food allergy. But if it was, then one of the symptoms, they lick their paws. Now, what are the most commonly reported allergens, food allergens? The, the big four, it is beef, chicken, corn, and wheat. Now, that doesn't mean they cannot be allergic to anything else. Of course they can. But most of them, and like, for example, French bulldogs, oh my God, to a French bulldog who's allergic to chicken, and they often are, all you have to do is say the word chicken and they start scratching. I mean, it's it's crazy. So the recommendation would be if you have ruled everything, everything out, you have a year-round allergy, licking of the feet nonstop, actually causing some irritation, then I would do firstly what's called a antigen or food elimination diet. And you have two ways to do that. Number one is start with a diet that they most likely have never seen before. It doesn't have to be totally non-allergenic. We'll get to that in a minute. But just something that's a, a novel protein diet. Salmon, venison, bison, rabbit, kangaroo. I mean, things that they probably have never been exposed to before. 
and a grain or a legume that they haven't been exposed to before also. All right, so green peas, sweet potato, uh, what else? Broccoli. I mean, there's so many crazy mixtures out there now, and there's single antigen and a uh, single grain or legume, uh, like a carb, and they seem to work. Now, if that doesn't do it, so you have no clue. And by the way, the allergy testing that your vet does, like I can do the blood testing, or the veterinary dermatologist may do with a skin scratch testing, which still is the best of all, that's the gold standard. Well, let me tell you, even that doesn't do a good job when it comes to food. The only way to determine a food allergy is to do either a dietary elimination, a food elimination diet, or you can put them on one of two diets that are pretty much non-allergenic. One is called the ZD Ultra. That's by Hills. That is protein fragments. It's not even the whole protein. And the second one is something with hydrolyzed protein. And supposedly when the protein is hydrolyzed, it loses its antigenicity and it would do well. Now, you, here's the key. If you're going to do one of these diets, it has to be super, super strict and at least six weeks, minimum eight weeks, even better. But during that time, they can have nothing other than that food. And I got to tell you, it's one of the most difficult things to do. And most pet parents fail. So try it. And if you're going to do a, a limited antigen diet, something you haven't done, the, choose the treats that you use. Make sure they too are only that same protein. Oh, it's going to be venison. Make Everything is venison. If it's going to be rabbit, it's all rabbit. And um, do it for about six to eight weeks. And if the feet get better or the ears get better or they don't rub their face on carpet or against the wall, then you know what? It probably was a food allergy. And then the trick is now introducing food groups one at a time and seeing if they start licking again. And trust me, if they are allergic to it, they're going to start licking pretty quickly. So anyway, it is one of the most difficult things to do. In the meantime, treat it medically as best you can. It's tough. Also, just to rule out other things like irritants, make sure every time you come in for a walk, wash your dog's feet down, wipe them down well, and that, that might help. Okay, here we go. I guess Michelle Doyle, my dog has two torn ACL and meniscus on both sides. I uh, have been doing patient nervous about doing TPLO on one side. So I would 100%, I am a big fan of TPLO. We have done, well, I have a surgeon, a board certified surgeon that comes in and does the surgeries who has been doing them for me for years. And the results I've been seeing are unbelievable. I had one guy, I had a bulldog and uh, tore the cruciate and he fought me and fought me and fought me. So now what I would recommend doing, well, anyway, so this guy finally, finally broke down, had it done. Of course, of course, shortly thereafter, the dog did great. He blew the second leg. And guess what? He was knocking at our door like the next day. I want to do a TPLO. It really is a great surgery, assuming that the dog is healthy in every other way. And also, depending on weight, if you can let me know how big your dog is, there are some more options if the dog is a smaller dog. There's still lateral suture technique called an extracapsular repair. Still works very well. Now, I know a lot of the TPLO guys are doing TPLOs on those as well. And they're making the TPLO plate for smaller dogs. But depending on the dog's age, the activity level, I will tell you that lateral suture, extracapsular for a small breed still is just fine. Anyway, so let me know how big the dog is. That'd be great. Is it always safe for dogs to eat grass? I love these questions. I always prepare. I have like pages of things that I'm going to talk about today. And guess what? At this rate, I'm not going to have to, which is perfect. All right, we're going to answer this question and then we're going to go for a break. And during the break, we can talk some more. So anyway, eating grass. So, well, first of all, we're going to assume it's regular grass that's not been chemically treated. Because if it has been chemically treated or with an insecticide, then the answer is no, not safe. 
But grass itself, first of all, the $10 million, $6 million, $60 million question, who knows what it's up to now because of inflation. But why do dogs eat grass? No one knows the answer. I've asked so many dogs why they do it. None of them will tell me, so I don't get it. But I'll tell you this. They seem to like it. It is sweet. We used to chew on grass. It's, it's sweet. It's moist. They certainly like to lie down on it on a hot day. When I, my Frenchie, every time we walk, he'll find a nice patch and he just plops down. He's not moving until he gets cooled down. But the question is, when they feel nauseous, they'll eat grass because, because they know it's going to make them vomit. So then the question you know, comes, well, wait a second. There is a type of therapy called aversion therapy. Aversion therapy is when you put something in something the dogs are eating that makes them vomit within minutes, then they won't go there again. But then that doesn't make sense because when dogs eat grass, the vomiting is not immediate. It's sometimes 20, 30, 40 minutes later. Well, apparently when a dog eats something that much later, causing them to vomit, they don't make the association. So if they liked it at the time they ate it, they're going to go back and eat it again. So most likely my thought, and again, this is just my guess because no dog has told me the reality, is that I think that they do like it. They do feel nauseous, so they eat it because it's sweet. It might be soothing to them at the time. But when they make some vomit, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever later, they don't think it's a grass. They just think it's vomiting. So therefore, next opportunity they have, they're going to eat grass again. Anyway, don't go away. We're going to go on our break. When we uh, come back, we'll talk about more and more questions, more questions here on Pet Life Radio, on Instagram Live, or I'm equipped if need be. I got lots of things to talk about. So we'll be back in a few minutes. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. Here, your host on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff, our normal, regular Sunday morning show at 9 a.m. in the West every week. And, of course, Instagram Live at 9 a.m. And, um... I uh, would love to have the questions keep coming. So, oh, there's one. After eight-week food trial using nine-month puppy, still itchy, inflamed paws and face, bumps around the upper body. All right, well, if it's a nine-week-old puppy, first of all, um, food allergy can affect young pups like that. So I would say HP is good, but the best one is, and now, first of all, during the eight-week trial, you have to make sure, Heather, that there was nothing, I mean, nothing else that um, he could have gotten a hold of. But, I mean, the paws, the face, that's all, oh, one other thing about the face, make sure you're feeding out of stainless steel, not plastic or ceramic, all right? Again, only stainless steel bowls when you have any kind of facial inflammation after eating. That is very critical. Just to rule out, if you did the eight-week trial and still very irritated, also, have you used any kind of anti-allergy medications during this? And the, the trick is going to be, once we're out of allergy season, which usually starts in September, October, depending on where you live, 
If it gets better, then it wasn't food. You might at this point just treat symptomatically and wait. And if during the, as we get into October and still doing it, then I would go to the, the ultra ZD ultra. It's not like I'm representing brands. I know a lot of people don't like Hills. They happen to be a good food company, but I will tell you that the ZD ultra is one of the best of the foods that you can use as far as testing allergy. So give that a try. All right. Now, let me, uh, while I'm waiting for more questions from somebody, just a little stuff, perusing the news, found out a couple of things. Number one, remember that outbreak in Michigan we talked about? I also did a piece on it on Inside Edition. Well, despite some tests being negative, uh, some in-house testing, it turns out that Michigan State, a veterinary school, and having a really good diagnostic lab, they've been, all these cases have tested positive for Parvo. So this must be a new strain of Parvo, very aggressive. And interestingly, the dogs, and this is the take-home, this is the take-home, the dogs that succumbed to this virus either were not vaccinated or incomplete vaccination. And let me tell you what that means. That means when you have a young dog, a puppy, and Parva usually hits puppies, it is critical to start vaccines at the right time and space them properly and end at the right time. The perfect schedule is 8, 12, and 16 weeks. When these breeders start vaccinating at six weeks, they are doing a disservice. And I'll tell you why. Because the dogs were not properly vaccinated and they're susceptible to this new strain. I agreed. So, but if you give a vaccine, the breeder is acting six weeks, they are potentially harming the dog's immune system. Here's why. At six weeks, a dog doesn't have the ability yet to produce their own immunity. Okay. So where are they getting immune? They're getting immune from mom. When they nursed, the colostrum was providing antibodies. We call that passive antibody. So they are protected because of nursing. It's not till seven to eight weeks of age that their body just starts being able to produce their own antibodies. So what happens? You come along in six weeks and give a vaccine. What is a vaccine? A vaccine is the antigen. It's attenuated. It's in a weakened form. It doesn't usually cause the disease anymore, but it's expected to stimulate an immune response. And the antibodies that mom provided for the pup through her colostrum during the first few days uh, even 24 to 36 hours of nursing, right? They see that injection. They think it's the real disease. They don't know it's a 10. It looks exactly that's the way it's meant to be. And they attack it. And when they attack it, it takes them out of circulation. So when you give a shot too early and mom's passive antibody goes to work, you're basically using up mom's antibody on a vaccine, not even the real disease. And that's why they're left with nothing or very small antibody. So when they now are exposed to that parvo at seven or eight weeks of age before the next shot or nine weeks, whatever, however they space them, they're sitting ducks. So very bad to start vaccines too early, unless you know for sure that there's been no um, protection at all. Dogs that, you, that, that were never nursed and even still just protect them because they can't even make antibodies that young. So it's expected, accepted, seven to eight weeks, first shot. You don't need to space them two to the, the old school of six to eight to 10 and 10 weeks. That is so antiquated. Now it's eight, 12, 16. Here's the other thing. You don't want to finish the series until minimum 15, preferably 16 weeks of age. So if you space at three weeks even, and you start at seven and you go seven, 10, 13, seven, 10, 13, that's not good enough. That's not going to protect them. So when that happens, when I see a dog start at seven, but they gave him every three, now we have to give a set of four instead of a set of three, which is okay. I'd rather do one more at 17 weeks than stop at 13 weeks or 14 weeks. So 
That's what was going on with these dogs. They're either they were incompletely vaccinated or they weren't vaccinated successfully or properly. And unfortunately, they got and often succumbed to this disease. If you have any questions about that, please reach out to me. It drives me nuts. And I got to tell you, I have called so many breeders over the years when I see that. Just tell them I learned a lesson because when I graduated and Dr. Bart Kitchell, who was one of my mentors, told me, Jeff, don't be such a hotshot. Understand that every five years, half of what was gospel is now obsolete. Tells me you got to stay on top of things. you got to learn. you got to change your thinking as we learn more. And I've taken that lesson very seriously throughout these years. So I call these breeders nicely to say, you know what? You know, there's a lot of new information out now. We're finding out that starting and giving shots of, especially in a breeder, I'm sure you're a great breeder. I'm sure the puppy's nursed. So they're good. They're good till eight weeks. You should do is, I know you don't want to get rid of them till eight weeks. Give the vaccine, wait a day, and then start sending them to their new homes. They're forever homes. And I get this. I've gotten it so many times. It's like a over heart. Listen here, Sonny. I've been doing this for 40 years. I think I know what I'm doing right by now. And it's like, oh my God, really? You're Because you've been doing the wrong thing for so long and you got lucky? You're going to just keep doing it. And they will not listen. And I, I, I throw up my arms. And I say, you know what? I give up. I, I don't know what I can do. But other than warn the owner, that when that vaccine comes in at six weeks, I'm going to do another one at nine. And then I'm going to go 12 and a half. And I'm going to go 16 and get them back on schedule. And during that time, we're going to keep them away from other dogs. All right. Another strange illness, because you know this Parvo thing wasn't bad enough. It's a canine respiratory infection in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and Maine, so in the Northeast, fatal in some cases. So they don't know exactly what it is. Is it maybe a variant of the good old influenza? We already have H3N2, H3N8. Maybe this is H3N something and very virulent. So again, if you are in that area and you regularly take your dogs to dog parks or doggy daycare, you might want to hold back a little while until we learn more about this new virus because it is, it's very, very serious. So last week, actually on the 26th, it was International Dog Day. And I just want to know by show of hands, how many of you adopted a new pet or fostered a new pet during International Dog Day uh, that this past week is in commemoration of International Dog Day. I can tell you, my daughter did. She brought home Lucy. I don't know if that name is going to stay. And she's getting along great with Quinn. I'm going to go over there today to check her out. And I think my sis, right, Bethany, also got their new dog. So um, good for you. Anyone else do that? That was That's great because that's what we want to do. We want to save some lives and uh, have fun with them as well. Uh, what are you seeing an increase in dog and cat cases that we should be aware of? Uh, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of, you know, viruses. I would say, look, cats, it's kidney disease. I think it's really because uh, we're not monitoring these cats early enough. I think seven or eight years of age, bring your cats in, get a test. They're not going to show clinical signs until two thirds to three quarters of the kidneys are damaged. So if you wait to see the signs, then you're waiting too long. So it's important to take them in, have them monitored, screening starting at eight years of age for sure, plus hyperthyroidism for a cat. So I, every cat over seven, well, I do a blood test, I'm including the thyroid panels as well, because that's where you're going to pick it up. Pick them up early, potentially save a life. And uh, as far as, I, you know, still <laughs> the number one disease, it's nutritional that I see on a regular basis is obesity. I talk about it all the time. First of all, 75% of obese puppies and kittens will grow up to be obese dogs and cats. So that means if you have a kitten or a puppy, keep it lean because chances are if you let it get heavy now, it's going to stay heavy. And not to point any fingers, I made this point before and kind of tongue in cheek, but another statistic is that I have to chuckle. And that is 
The majority of obese puppies and kittens belong to owners, I'm not looking, who themselves could lose a few. So uh, the reason why, interestingly, a lot of veterinarians don't want to broach the subject is because they're sitting in front of an owner who clearly, right, could lose weight. Now, I say it doesn't bother me one bit. There's no way that person looks in a mirror and doesn't know that he or she is overweight. So you're not telling them anything new. And in fact, what I do is I kind of make a, a little bit of a, my lightheaded is I'll say, you know what? First of all, one thing you have to do is increase exercise. Get out there, take that long 20 minute walk, go to the park, throw a ball, do, you know, a little run around with your pet. It'll be good for you as well. That's all I say. I don't tell them. You need to lose weight as well. So it'll be good for you. I just say, and it's true. It's true that exercise is good for us. So um, just keep, keep that in mind. <laughs> Take a good look in the mirror if your pet is overweight. Anyway, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So uh, last thing before we go, because I'm having a lot of fun. All right. The risks of dementia. We talked about hearing. Remember hearing loss? So another study. Risks of dementia. Higher and older inactive dogs. There was a survey. 15,000 dogs. All right. 1.4% of them. That's a lot. Had canine cognitive dysfunction. And at fewer than 10 years of age, that's scary. All right. The chance of developing canine cognitive dysfunction, either CCD or CDS cognitive dysfunction syndrome, rises by 52% with each additional year of age. And inactive dogs are 6.47 times more likely than active dogs to develop the CCD. So what does it tell you? Not only are inactive dogs going to gain weight, but inactive dogs might get dementia earlier. And then they won't even know that they gave the weight. <laughs> That's terrible. So dogs also with neural vision and hearing disorders are also at higher risk. Bottom line, stay active with your dogs and uh, keep your mind sharp. You know, my dad passed it at 91. And I got to tell you, he was sharp as a tack, but he read and read. He read. He loved to read. So you know what? Keep that mind active. That's the trick to staying uh, and stay active. And hopefully by that, we can avoid dementia. All right. Anyway, thanks for joining me here. Love your questions. If there are any other questions, you can always reach out to me. Pet Life Radio, as did Ellen. Just send me a, a chat. Uh, they get forward to me. You can also send me directly to Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. You can also reach me here on IG, Instagram. Send me a message. I try to get back to everybody or also at Dr. Jeff at Pet Life Radio or Dr. Jeff at drjeff.com. And I, looking at your names, I'm sure most of you have my cell phone anyway, so you can always get me on cell. Text me though, don't leave a voice message. I hardly ever listen to them, but I do go through my text every single day. All right, have a great week, everybody. Have a great holiday. Oh, also be safe tomorrow with your pets. Barbecue time. It's going to be the, the, watch the corn cobs. They potentially are deadly. They get lodged in the intestine. The fatty foods. I mean, the beer. Dogs like alcohol. Be careful. So um, just be smart. Enjoy. Let them enjoy. Give them something safe to eat on. Don't give them the sharp bones. Bone marrow, remember, very fatty. Avocado, very fatty. So all the things that we're trying to avoid, just you know, keep in mind. But you can have a very fun, safe holiday with your fam and your pets. So make sure you do. And we'll see you here next week. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.